You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. So this is a, a much different take on, on women's virginity than, than I was raised with. It would also uh, allow, I think, a, a, a possibly different interpretive lens through which to view Mary, who went on to raise a son who, who modeled and taught and was even crucified for being a, a political rebel. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 275 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, action, and justice. Our feature text this week is Luke 1, 51-53. Our title is Mary, Jesus, King, and Us. The text in Luke states, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. Many have struggled. Uh, this, the, these words come from Mary in the, in the gospel, in the gospel of Luke. And, 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 and a lot of people have struggled with, with Mary's story in the, the birth narratives for, for Jesus in both Matthew and, and Luke. And this makes sense to me growing up in an evangelical Christian purity culture, women's virginity, it symbolized their submission to patriarchy and, and male dominance over women. And Mary is the Holy Virgin. It triggers such religious abuse. And, and, and Christians often interpret that image of Mary in ways that perpetuate uh, the non-egalitarian treatment of women. And this past December, while I was rereading Matthew and Luke's birth narratives, though, I was, I was struck by how non-compliant Mary's uh, words actually sound in the story. And consider what we refer to today as Mary's uh, Magnificat. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name." His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So patriarchal cultures, they use use virginity as a symbol of of submission and, and, and yet here is a a young girl who who sounds i mean when you take these if you take these words seriously she sounds more like a rebel i mean think about the lines he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts he has brought down rulers from their thrones he has lifted the humble he has filled the hungry with good things he has sent the way the rich away empty these aren't words of a, a model submissive or, or uh, uh, rather they're the 
they come across to me as someone who's demonstrating how to make waves. How, it's not how to not make waves. It's even these words today uh, create waves whenever they're brought up. If you, if you were to preach on these words today or to teach on these words today, just try it and see what kind of trouble they stir up. Christianity has a long history of trying to explain away the edge uh, to these words. And something here, this, this idea, idea of the submissive virgin Mary and, and these rebellious words in Luke 1, something doesn't add up here. So this week, I want to suggest that the story element of Mary's virginity in the gospel narratives, it may have actually been written as a nod to resistance movements in the culture of that time. It wasn't to promote purity culture submission. Researchers in, in Renewed Heart Ministries suggest suggested book of the month for December last month, 2018, uh, they explain, if you read the book, they explain how virginity was used by dissident groups in the first century. This is from Saving Paradise, How Christianity Traded Love of This World for Crucifixion and Empire, page 195 from Brock and Parker. They write, about a decade before the birth of Jesus, Rome passed marriage laws that inflicted severe tax penalties on citizens who refused to marry and to generate offspring. With an infant mortality rate of more than 60% and life expectancy at age 25, Rome needed every woman to begin producing at the onset of puberty and to bear five children to keep the empire's population at a replacement rate. A shrinking population meant a declining tax base and fewer sons to serve in the military and guard the empire's vast frontiers. The standard marriage involved an adult male who had proven his ability to provide for a family and an adolescent female a decade or more younger. People joined dissident religious groups to resist conscription and overtaxation and asceticism. Asceticism and virginity emerged as ways to defy imperial pressures to reproduce and to marry. So for two of the four gospel authors that, that characterize Mary as a virgin, this may have been in the author's thinking when they, they chose to uh, characterize Mary as uh, a virgin, although she was still written as being engaged. Uh, the elements, we've talked about this before, the elements of Matthew and Luke's birth narratives uh, in the Jesus story, uh, they, they show the Jesus story they they reveal that the Jesus story was was resistance literature responding to Roman rule. And I'm going to, to put a link to where we've covered this in the past, the subversive narratives of Advent, parts one through uh, three. I'll put a link to that series in our uh, e-site this week. But later Christians who lived in the context of the Roman Empire, they also used virginity and refusing to marry as a means of, of resisting uh, the Roman Empire. This is the same resource, same book, pages 193 through 193. In resisting domination, many early Christian women, re women rejected the curse of women's subordination to men, a status based on heterosexual sex. Engaging in sex with men required women to accept a subjugated role. Virginity and chastity gave them power. 
Virgins chose to remain so by refusing to marry, and married women left their husbands to live in women's communities. Sex was legally regulated and restricted and socially fraught by gender and power, as it still is today. However, today, many tend to regard virginity as a sign of conformity to a patriarchal double standard and the disempowerment of women. The popular novel The Da Vinci Code, which suggests that Mary Magdalene was Jesus' wife and carried his bloodlines through her descendants might appear to elevate Mary's importance to Christianity. However, early Christians would not have regarded making her Mrs. Jesus as an improvement over her role as a preeminent apostle and teacher with her own divinity. The virginity of early Christian women was a radical statement against male dominance and in favor of women's own power. The only legitimate virgin, and a paterfamilias was a daughter who was owned by her father until she could be transferred to a husband, at which point she was no longer a virgin. For daughters to refuse to marry may have aggravated Roman opposition to Christianity. As a spiritual practice, women's abstinence from marriage granted freedom from male sexual dominance. Abstinence ended the curse inflicted upon Eve when she was exiled from from the garden. Genesis 3.16, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall lord it over you. Therefore, Christian virginity defied the core power system upon which Rome was built, the pater familias. So this is a, a much different take on on women's virginity than than I was raised with. It would also uh, allow, I think, a a possibly different interpretive lens through which to view Mary, who went on to raise a son who who modeled and taught and was even crucified for being a a political rebel as well. And this leads me to my question for us this week. How can we, too, rebel against injustice in our society today. Seeing Mary and Jesus and early Christian women as those who rebelled against injustice and, and considering the, the upcoming annual celebration of the life and, and, and work of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., it brings to, to, to my mind Dr. King's words in his famous letter, the letter from Birmingham Jail, And these words paint a a very different view of King from the domesticated picture that we typically get of him today. Uh, This section of the letter, uh, King defends his uh, uh, resistance and his his own rebellion against injustice when he writes, uh, uh, There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to be plunged into the abyss of despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impact patience. You express a great deal of anxiety over our willingness to break laws. This is certainly a legitimate concern, since we so diligently urge people to obey the Supreme Court's uh, decision of 1954 outlawing segregation in the public schools. At first glance, it may seem rather paradoxical for us to consciously break laws. One may well ask, how can you advocate breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer lies in the fact that there are two Two types of laws, just and unjust. I would be the first to advocate obeying just laws. One has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey 
unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. So again, how might we rebel against injustice in our society? Which injustices are especially galling to your heart? And how might you resist and rebel? What difference does it make for you in this exercise to view Mary, to view King, and even Jesus as a a rebel rather than as compliant? Does it give you courage to do the same? And and do you feel in that process that you're in good company? Are you less alone than, than you might think? And resistance to injustice is a long river that stretches far back before you and will continue long after you're gone. Um, The question that's here for us today is how deeply uh, we're going to wade into those waters in our our own life. Given the details in the stories of of Jesus's mother and, and Jesus himself, rebelling against injustice and rebelling against oppression and rebelling against violence, it, it was a staple of what it meant to follow Jesus in the first few generations of the Jesus movement. And, and may it become a staple for us today as well as we also uh, choose to follow Jesus. Luke 1, 51 through 53, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Heart group application this week. I want you to compose three lists this week together as a group. First, make a list of injustices that you feel should be opposed and allow time for discussion as this process can uh, turn out to be rather lengthy. And then second, make a list of ways that you could possibly exercise opposition to these injustices that are on the, the this first list as individuals. What does individual uh, opposition look like? And then third, I want you to make a list of ways that you could possibly exercise resistance together as a group. What does collective uh, resistance to these injustices look like? And then lastly, pick some of the actions from these last two lists and begin putting them into practice. I'm so glad you checked in with us this week. I am literally on my way out the door. I'm heading to Arizona where I'm going to be officiating a, a wedding for two friends of mine who are getting married this week, weekend in, in Phoenix. Um, wherever you are this week, keep living in love, in justice, compassion, and action. Remember, another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.